1: Yo, yo, Jordan Empted. This, this right here is crazy. I, I, I feel big. You know what I mean? Like not, not big in the sense of weight. You know what I mean? Like gaining weight or nothing like that. Like colossal. Like you know what I mean? Like. <sighs> I heard you were looking for me. Amen. What is going on, everybody? Rod, great, great choice of music. This is episode number two of the 77 WABC podcast that is yet to still have an official name. Your host, MD, episode number two. I'm excited for this one. I got my, uh, got my good pal today, good friend, since elementary school, and now all he's done is make the Detroit Tigers team, made the opening day roster, pitched on the team last year, Jason Foley. Jay, I'm excited to have you on. Thanks for coming.
0: Thanks for having me. Big choice of the year. opening song there.
1: Yeah, it wasn't my choice. It was Rod's choice, but you know I'm a big Little Wayne guy, so I definitely approve of that.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Thanks for having me on.
1: Anytime, buddy. So, um, Jason Foley, Detroit Tigers just pitched on Saturday, actually. Two scoreless innings. Jay, I think it was the best outing of probably your career. It was your fourth outing this year, 15th of your young career? Do, do you agree with that assessment?
0: Uh, Yeah, prob- I would say it's it was definitely, if it wasn't the best, it was definitely up there. I mean, in the sense of, you know, I mean, I went two innings, which is always nice, and uh, got a lot of weak contact, went through some good hitters, and was getting ahead in the counts, and um, this got got some pretty quick outs for for the team. So, yeah, I mean, if it wasn't that one, it was up toward the top, but overall, really good. One of one of my best uh, definitely a outings boost. in the big league so far.
1: Yeah, definitely. That was a big confidence boost and, and one you needed. You guys actually postponed yesterday, off today. What is, what does an off day entail for a big league player?
0: Um, it's a good question. I'm still laying in bed actually, but uh, <laughs> I think I gotta do some house cleaning stuff around my apartment. I just moved in, so I gotta like clean some stuff up here. Uh, like mess around some stuff, run some errands. I I would maybe golf, but I don't think the weather is holding up too well. But honestly, you don't really get too many off days in the big leagues. I mean, in AAA, it was a little different. We had a schedule where it was you play Tuesday to Sunday, and you have every Monday off. So it was a little more regulated, whereas now, yeah, you can go 7, 10, 13 days without an off day. So a lot of times you just, you honestly just relax, maybe get some dinner with the guys and just, you don't get them much, so just try to relax. Your body's usually pretty tired, so it's a little more boring than you'd think.
1: So then, as obviously you're off today. Then you host the Yankees tomorrow in a series. I'm really excited for. Obviously, you're from Long Island, grew up in Long Island, so I'm sure you're excited for that one. So you guys, I believe first pitch is eight ten. Take me through a, a day in the life of an MLB player tomorrow on a game day.
0: Yeah, so eight okay, ten game we will probably have like a pitcher stretch around like 3:30 or so. So I'll probably get to the field. I usually get there pretty early. I mean, everyone kind of does as a rookie, you kind of have to get there. I mean, you don't have to, but it's you don't really want to be showing up after a lot of the guys with a little more experience. So I'll probably get to the field around like 1230 or one, go relax, eat some lunch at the field that they provide. Um, then I'll probably, you know, maybe hit the hot tubs, warm up the body a little bit, and then do some sort of, you know, do some, like, activation stuff, like some some stretching and some mobility work for, like, my body and my shoulder to feel good. And then we'll head out to stretch around, I don't know exactly what I said, probably around, like, 3.30. We'll stretch. We'll go through our throwing. We'll play catch. We'll work on whatever we want to work on, whether it's, you know, throwing sliders, throwing this, throwing that. Get off the mound if you want, if you want to get some extra work in. And then shortly after that, we shag BP, so that's probably be stretched at 3.30. We'll probably shag BP around 4.15, probably 4.15 to like 5 o'clock or something. And then after that, you kind of just relax, eat some more food, maybe hang out, play some cards, relax a bit, and then get ready to go out for the game.
1: How like regulated is your schedule? Do do you have an idea if you're going to pitch in... Maybe not so tomorrow, but do you have like an idea of when you're going to pitch, or is it just kind of like your number gets called and then you go in?
0: You definitely have an idea. So everyone, we I mean, we obviously have our closer and our setup guy being Greg Soto, Michael Fulmer, in that order. Um, and everyone else kind of, uh, you, you kind of know your role. So like I'm obviously, I'm going to be the guy that's, I'm probably not going to be throwing in the most high leverage situations at at the moment. Um, you know, I just got to earn those spots. But A.J. is also a big matchup guy in terms of, like, analytics. Like, if this guy's – like, I throw sinkers. If someone else throws – you know, if if the lineup that's coming up is struggles against guys that throw sinkers, like, I might pitch over someone else. Now, I'm not going to probably throw the eighth inning for a hold situation. But um, everyone kind of knows your role in that sense. So, it's not totally random, but you kind of have a feeling of when – when the game's going towards you.
1: Yeah, and Greg, you brought up AJ. I actually wanted to ask you about AJ. I guess in the public perception, you know, he obviously is a massive scandal with the Astros. We don't know how much he was or was not involved, but let's not talk about that. How is AJ the manager? How is he off the field? What type of guy is AJ? Yeah,
0: uh, I've had nothing but <clears throat> good experiences with him. Um, so since he's been since I've known him, which is after um, all his Houston stuff uh, happened. But I've, I've had nothing but good experiences with him. I mean, he knows the game so well, and uh, he's just a good guy to talk to. Like, he's not really – he's not someone that's – I've had managers that are kind of just unapproachable or maybe just kind of – they're in their lockers a lot or in their, in their offices a lot, and they're not very – they're not like clubhouse kind of guys, but A.J. is always willing to – chop it up with the guys like the other day in kansas city i was at the field i took the first bus to the field because i'm a rookie and like four of us were there like three hours poor stretch with nothing to do and aj was just chopping it up with us talking us through like cool stories he had with houston and like verlander and garrett cole and like different bullpen matchups and shit that he thinks about about managing a baseball game that just had some pretty cool perspective on it that I would have never even thought of, probably. I've had no issues with him. He's a big golfer, too, down in in Texas. so He's a cool dude. I like him.
1: I've watched a lot of Tigers baseball, and I think AJ's done a really good job with you picking and choosing your spots. I think he's really got you guys on the rise now, and then the Tigers are a team that are uh, expected to compete this year. I want to rewind now a little bit, go all the way back and ask you about some of your earlier days. So just to give a story to the listeners... Funny enough, you were actually cut from 7th grade middle school somehow. I'm not really sure how that happened. Then in 8th grade, you don't try out. You ever look back on that 7th uh, grade when you were cut and think, now I'm in the MLB?
0: Probably not as much as like you would think. Um, I don't know. I mean, it is what it is. Would I have, would, did it suck? Sure. But it was also like 7th grade baseball. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess it is a cool, pretty cool story, but... I don't really think about it actually as much as you might think.
1: So then you go on, you play for high school, you pitch four years for Meppham High School on Long Island, you have a great senior year, and then you end up going to Sacred Heart University, and you're actually a starter-minded in uh, college as well and, and high school. What was the recruitment process like going to Sacred Heart? Were there any other schools involved in that process, or was it only Sacred Heart?
0: Uh, there were a few others. Um, uh... I forgot the name of the one in in Philly. Um, A few others, but it was a pretty late recruitment process for me. I was actually, like, relatively up in the air if I wanted to play baseball in college. Um, I wanted to make sure I was going to a school that, like, I wanted to go to regardless of, like, playing baseball. So I I was trying to reach out to coaches of, like, the likes of, like, UConn and Delaware and Penn State and other schools that, like, I was wanting to go to as well. Um, I didn't want to just go to some random school just to play baseball if it wasn't a good program or a fun place to be. Um, and Sacred Heart was actually one of like the last schools that reached out to me pretty late. I had ended up going to a, a showcase at UConn and a lot of the times at the showcases, like UConn will host it, but other surrounding schools that are like smaller and, and less competition with UConn will, will go, co- will go. And Sacred Heart was one of them. <clears throat> and that's where they actually saw me and reached out. Um. And I signed relatively late. I think it was my, I think it was like the fall of my senior year, which is which is pretty late and nowadays. I think a lot of kids are signing like sophomore, junior year of high school.
1: Definitely a late process. And as you mentioned, you weren't even sure if you wanted to play, which is just, the whole story's crazy. And here you are now pitching in the MLB. So now let's take you to Sacred Heart. You were a starting pitcher. You pitched three years at Sacred Heart have your numbers here. Your numbers weren't really off the charts in college at all. Your best year was actually from like a, an ERA standpoint, your freshman year. But you pitched three years at Sacred Heart. Then you end up signing with the Detroit Tigers as a free agent. What was that process like after Sacred Heart? Were there any other teams other than the Tigers that reached out to you? Like how did that whole process work?
0: Definitely, no need to sugarcoat it. I, I did not pitch well in college, outside of my freshman year, at all. But the recruiting process happened for me. It started so my sophomore year, <clears throat> summer going into my junior year, I played uh, in a summer baseball league. Um, for those who don't aren't that familiar, uh, college players from all over uh, gather together in different leagues and play like a 40-game summer ball league, and it's generally meant to help help get recruited to. For pro teams, help work on your stuff still. Um, so I was playing uh, one of the better leagues in the summer ball, and out of the bullpen, I pitched extremely well, and that's where I got pretty heavily recruited by some teams and like noticed the Pirates were one of them as well. Um, but ultimately, I went back to my junior year, and uh, a lot of these teams were still in contact, and I I just didn't I didn't pitch well. I'm mean, I flat out just didn't didn't pitch well as a starter that year. Um, ended up not getting drafted. And then just went back to that same summer ball league, actually. And I was just, I was fully ready, fully ready to go back to school. Um, I had a lease signed with my buddies for senior year. And then I just kept pitching well out of the out of that bullpen roll. And I was throwing the ball really hard. And I woke up one day with a voicemail from a Tiger scout saying like, hey, I saw you throw last night. Are you still interested in, in signing? Because we have, we, we like you and we would sign you. And then, and then I met up with him. I met up with him like three days later. He saw me throw again within that time frame. And within like 72 hours, I signed a contract with the Tigers. It was pretty wild. It happened. Awesome. I mean, it happened so quick. I couldn't even comprehend it.
1: That's awesome. And then, obviously, you get signed. You pitch in low A for the Tigers the following year where you really, you, you pitched really well. Then you moved up to high A. And then, I believe, you get Tommy John surgery after that, Correct.
0: Yeah, that was around, uh, so you're right, I pitched about half, the first half of the season in, in low a, got called up at the all-star break, and then like a month in, unfortunately, needed uh, elbow surgery, tummy down. So that was about August, and then that was about August of 2017, and that surgery usually is about roughly a year, uh, give or take, per guy, depending on the situation. So for me, that that missed me the entire uh, 2018 season, and then 2019 was my first year Kroger, fresh for
1: everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 2019, you come back and you pitch in high A again, correct? Yeah, so 2019, I threw, they had me, re- uh, my first,
0: the first year back, they had me in uh, high A again. I was there all year. Um, in 2019, I was still like a little um, limited in terms of my outings and my, how often I could throw and how much I could throw. So um, I was there all season, and then, yeah, 2020 was the pandemic year, unfortunately. So that was, that was like two weeks into spring training. Um, they cleared everyone out and said, you know, we're, we're done. You know, that, that sucked. Cause like that was my first year. A lot of people say in time of time, your first year back's always going to be a little rough in terms of like, you know, you haven't pitched competitively in over 12 months. So like, you know, it takes a while to get your bearings straight again, no matter how much, how good you were at pitching or how, you know, if it was me or if it was Garrett Cole, like I mean it's it's still tough when you you have it thrown to a hitter competitively the twelve months. So it took you a couple months to get back in back in the swing of things. I was always on a leash in terms of how many innings I could throw. So twenty twenty was exciting for me because it was gonna be my time to finally, you know, take the you know, take the lease off. I was able to pitch again like normal, no no restrictions and, and hopefully move up through the system a little more. And then of course the pandemic hit which kind of threw a nod and everything.
1: Let's fast forward now to uh, 2021. You start the year in AAA. You, f- you skip you skipped AA. You start the year in AAA. You pitch about a month, two months in AAA. Then you, you get the call from A.J. Hinch that you're getting called up to the big leagues. Take, take us through that story.
0: So in 2021, in spring training, I got COVID. And um, I had to, whatever, quarantine, yada, yada, yada. And then since I had gotten it, I didn't have to test. Uh, for about three months because you're uh, immune to it. So fast forward to about three months later where our AAA team was in Memphis playing the Memphis team. They were for the Cardinals. And I'd remember my, my trainer or, or trainer saying, hey, you're going to have to start testing soon. I'd remember him just throwing that out there. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Um, I'm in a coffee shop with my buddies getting breakfast, which is pretty standard for on the road. Like a lot of guys usually get together and get breakfast there. I look at my phone and I have all these messages from my trainer, like, call me back, where are you, blah, 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 blah. And usually when you're not at the field, you don't really talk to your trainer, your staff, your manager, unless something like, it's usually something like for important. They're not really just calling to shoot the shit. So I was like, at first glance, I was like, oh my God, like, am I going to the big leagues right now? And then I was like, no, 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 no. I just I just remember, like, I need to start testing for COVID, so they probably need to get me, like, a spit sample just so I could play tonight, so I could be active. So I call him, and he's like, where are you? Like, you need to come to the training room right now, like, to do your spit test, like, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, all right, fuck. So I had to go leave breakfast, like, halfway through, <clears throat> grab, like, a scooter, scooter all the way over to the field. It was at, like, 10 in the morning. I get in the field, it's, it's so quiet, there's, like, the bullpen catcher, the manager, the hitting coach. Everyone's just kind of minding their own business doing, like, house cleaning stuff. He's like, go spit in this tube. I just had, like, two cups of coffee, so my mouth is so dry. It takes me, like, ten minutes to spit in this thing. Fill it up. And then I go in the office, and I was like, here you go, like, blah, 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 blah. And then my manager just absolutely fucking undresses me. Sorry for the curse word. Uh, He absolutely undresses me, saying, like, you gotta be you can't miss like three calls from your trainer, uh, you know. Like this is unprofessional. You got to be better than that. Like this is, you know, this is your job. Blah 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 blah. And I was like, dude, I'm so, like, I don't, relax. I was like, I was at breakfast, and then he was like, here, sign this form from our uh, P.R. Or HR lady saying like you're reinstated for tonight. Like, sign this form and then get out of here. I'll see you later. And I was like, all right, whatever. And the piece of paper he handed me was just in the middle of it it was like a fake email and then in the middle of it and all oh, bold red text message said like congratulations you're going to the show and nice. i like looked at it and was like like i wanted to believe it but i also didn't want to like i don't know i was just like i couldn't i didn't know what to say and then i was like are you serious and he was like read the fucking paper and i read it and i was like am i going to the leagues?" and he was like congrats man like you're going to the show and give me a huge hug
1: that's awesome a few days later <sighs> You come in and you make your big league outing against the Chicago White Sox, who are, are not a bad team, a World Series contender this year. You, were, How nervous were you uh, going out there your first time?
0: Really, it's almost hard to describe how nervous you are. Um, it's like a feeling that you've never felt before, and to put it in perspective, for you, not really the folks listening, because they don't know me as well, but I get to the field that day. Well, first off, I... So I fly from Memphis to Chicago. I get to Chicago at like uh, I don't know like pretty late, like nine thirty. Um, get in my hotel. we have a day game the next day, so I have to be up at like seven or so to get on the bus. I didn't sleep for one second. I was literally just staring at my fucking wall all night long, and then I get up the next morning and like it's my debut, so I'm so like i don't even I don't even feel like I didn't sleep. I feel fine. I don't even notice that I just had zero minutes of sleep. I get to the field, I get a plate of food for breakfast, and I just, I couldn't eat it, which was like, again, for the people listening, not gonna sound like a big deal, but you know better than anyone that I could throw back some food, so it was like, at that point I realized like, oh yeah, I'm kind of, I'm freaking out a little bit, and then we're in the clubhouse, and we were in like an auxiliary, like a a secondary clubhouse, because of COVID, they had to shut us out quite a bit, so I was in like the fake clubhouse, and then We were on, like, ground level, and there was these windows where you could see, like, right outside to the concourse, kind of. And I remember looking out there at, like, 1230, and there was just, like, a swarm of Chicago fans coming in, because it was middle of the summer, it was nice out. And the minor leagues, you don't really get that many fans. So, like, looking outside, I was like, oh, my God, like, there's, like, a shit ton of people here. Like, this is real. Like, this is about to happen. So, I was a little nervous for the game, but then I got out there, actually – and I was sitting in the bullpen. I was actually doing all right because, like, a lot of the guys in the bullpen I was pretty good buddies with at this point. Um, so we were just kind of talking, just whatever, nonchalant, just hanging out. I was actually doing okay. Usually they try to get you your debut in, like, a pretty low-pressure situation, like blah, blah, blah. So we were down 3 nothing, and I threw the sixth inning. And he calls, and I kind of knew it was about a – like, the phone rang, and I was like, oh, I don't know, it's me. Like, fully get hot. So at that point I was still doing all right. I start warming up and I'm feeling pretty good. I'm still not like mis- terribly nervous. I mean I probably was, but it didn't feel that way. And then the inning ended, through my last pitch in the bullpen, I opened the gate and I started jogging in and I was like, holy fuck And then I was like then my whole body just went numb, like I felt like jello. I mean the stadium just looks like so much bigger when you're when you're like on when you're on the floor rather than in the stands and like compared to triple-a parks they're massive and then like i was just crazy nervous on that jog in and then and then yeah threw got out of it thank god but uh threw up a zero which was nice but uh, yeah that was my debut
1: you end up pitching 11 times in 2021 and you compile some pretty decent numbers 2.61 era over 10 and a third inning six strikeouts Despite a low ERA and, and a pretty good strikeout number, I, I don't think you had a great stranglehold on your command. Did you really feel comfortable at any time in any of those eleven outings? And you, you did have some good ones, but obviously, you know, it's this is new to you. You you, you pitch, you're going from you, know, you never pitched in Double A. You're jumping. It's it's a big jump. Obviously, you, you only pitched a, you didn't pitch a ton ton of innings in Triple A. The the jump's obviously huge. Did you ever really feel comfortable that first year in, in any of those eleven innings?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean it, you're right. I mean the the command was a little bit not where I wanted it to be, but uh, yeah, it was just it was just a lot of things that were like overwhelming in terms of you know being in the big leagues. It's everyone now. It's like not that like the minor leagues don't matter, but in the grand scheme of things, they really don't. Um, so now everything matters. Now everything's in the forefront. You got you got microphones in your face. You got interviews. You got everyone. Talking about you, whereas in the minor leagues, you know, you pitch bad, no one gives a crap. You pitch good, most of the time, no one also gives a hell of a crap. So, yeah, it was a little nerve wracking, a little overwhelming. Like you're right, I probably didn't. I started to feel a little more comfortable towards the end, and that's when I probably actually had my two best outings in my last two. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was just, it was just a little, it was just a little nerve wracking. I mean, you're not really, you can't really prepare for something like that until you get there. Um, but now I'm feeling a lot better in terms of, like, I'm not. It's you not know, really like the the rookie jitters kind of anymore. It's just like, all right, let's you know, I got to do the job for this team, and I'm going to try to do it as best I can. Whereas before, it was just like so many of the things were on my mind while I was pitching. Um, so now it's I'm a little more acclimated to how things work here, and in terms of just like now, now it's kind of just like pitching and playing baseball. So it's a little bit better now.
1: You look a lot more comfortable watching you throughout the spring and watching you thus far in, in four outings. What was the biggest adjustment you made from last year to this year?
0: Um, good question. Um, I definitely worked a lot on my slider this offseason. In terms of like last year, I don't know. Last year my slider wasn't that great. I was just kind of getting away with it because my sinker is pretty good, so it they have to kind of respect that pitch. And then anything that was moving the other way was going to kind of be effective. But now I tried to really get it to the point where. I'm getting a little more horizontal action on it and it's kind of pairing a little bit better with my sinker, I think, and uh, kind of tunneling a little better, which is a term we use for, you know, two balls coming out of like pretty similar slot and just going entirely different directions. Like one, a prime example of that would be like, you know, I throw a sinker down the middle that, that ends up inside to a righty and then I throw a slider down the middle that ends up outside to a righty and they just go totally different directions. So like, that's kind of what I try to do for the most part, and uh, I think my slider's been a little bit better this year. I'm getting a little more – I've noticed I've gotten some, some worse swings on it, some more off-balance swings. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, that, that's that's one big adjustment I made for sure. But, you know, sports and anything, really, it's a game of adjustments. I mean, every day you're trying to tweak a little something here, a little something there to kind of perfect where you're at. So, um, But that would probably be the biggest thing I'd, I'd change this offseason.
1: Actually, I have a, a stat here. I'm not even sure if you're aware of it. I'm, I'm, sure you, I'm sure you are, but lefties, you face 18 lefties thus far this year, and they're 2 of 18 against you. And one of those hits was Ben Attendee's, like, check swing blooper that just, like, landed in the infield yep. yesterday. Do you think that's an anomaly, or do you think your stuff plays better against lefties?
0: Uh, that's actually funny you bring that up because, like, yeah, usually you would like you would think my, like I'm my stuff would ideally play better against righties because I throw sinkers, so I'm throwing balls that are going right into their hands, right into their barrel, or right in, like right in on them. Ideally, sinker guys would play better against the same-sided hitter as them. So for me, it'd be righty. I have switched up my pitching philosophy a bit to lefties because of that. Like I used to throw them a lot of sinkers, low and away. And they would just kind of let it sit and let it get there and just flick it and, like, flick singles into left field all day long because it was pretty comfortable for them. It wasn't coming into them. Uh, then I started realizing that, like, you know, that's – I can't keep doing that. So I started throwing a lot of four-seams to them, actually. Um, my four-seamer is not, like, a great pitch by any means, but it's not – it's so much different from my singles. So I've been starting to throw them a lot of four-seamers, like, try to get them in under their hands. Um, and I think that's helped, like – that's gotten them a little more uncomfortable, so if I could show them that pitch and then throw a sinker off that, um, I think it helps me a little more, but that's actually interesting. I did not know that they were 2 for 18 off me at, the, at this time.
1: I have some of the names here of players you faced thus far in your career. I mean, not not a bad list. Vlad Guerrero, Bo Bichette, Tim Anderson, Jose Abreu, Nelson Cruz, Sal Perez, Rafael Devers. How do you feel when like these legitimately the best players, and maybe even in, like, Vlad and Devers and Bichette, like, you know, maybe the best player on the planet is in the box and you're in the mound.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, you're right, it's tough. I mean, you grow up, like, well, I mean, not Vlad, because he's so young, you know, you kind of grow up watching these guys, like, Nelson Cruz is another guy I faced last year. You know, I grew up watching that guy hit 40 home runs every year. I don't know. It's it's tough. You kind of gotta just realize that, like, hey, I'm on the mound for a reason too. Like he's in that box getting paid for a reason, and I'm on this mound getting paid for a reason. Um, so you kind of gotta you kind of gotta throw the name out the door and just say, like, I'm good enough to be in the same league as this guy. So like, yeah, I mean, he's a damn good hitter, but uh, if I execute my pitches the way I want, I could I could probably get him out. And I mean, sometimes he's gonna. I mean, I'm sure you saw those highlights from the Yankee game. I mean, Vlad just where Vlad hit three home runs off Garrett yeah. Cole or two home runs off Garrett and then hit like a night you know, Garrett like hit the hat to him. Like sometimes I mean that guy's just gonna get hits because he's one of the best hitters to play this game. But overall you kinda just gotta have the mentality of like, yeah, I mean I'm I'm in the same league as him. I'm at the same level as this guy. And if I do what I need to do, like I'll I'll ultimately
1: Awesome. That's I'll awesome. ultimately get him out. So yeah, Jay, I wanna wrap things up here quickly. I wanna ask you actually about Miguel Cabrera. What what's Miggy a uh, future Hall of Famer, one of the best players to ever step foot on a baseball field. What's he like? What's he like? Yeah,
0: I mean, he's, dude, he's, he's awesome. I will say, he's, he's an absolutely awesome dude to have around and watch play. I mean, he's obviously, obviously one of the best, you know, hitters ever to play this game. Arguably, the best right-handed hitter to ever step foot in the, the field. Um, I mean, he's so good. It's like every day you're watching play and like he's every day he like gets a hit and then the next thing you know, it's like, oh, maybe he passes so-and-so for doubles or, I mean, he's five hits away from 3,000 last year. He, unfortunately I missed it, but he, I mean, he hit his seven, uh, 500th. Um, It seems like every day he's passing and a new record, new this, new that. And that's all good and great. But I think the coolest thing about him is that he's just, no matter how good he is, how high profile he is, how much money he's made, how many accolades he has, he's like, Man, he just has a smile on his face and, like, plays this game. like a He plays it like a, like a kid, man. He's, like, super fun. He's just always got a smile on his face, He's, like a big kid playing playing this game. And, like, I think that's probably the part I'll remember about playing with him the most rather than how good he is. He's just a normal-ass down-to-earth dude and just uh, has fun playing this game and smile. Awesome. And that's, I think, the really cool part.
1: What about Javi? Uh, Javi Baez, former Met, former Chicago Cub won a World Series there in Chicago. He's obviously new to the team on a DL now. Have you ever? Have you had any conversations with him?
0: Yeah, not as much. Um, not as much just because he's new. But he's, I mean, the times I have spoken to him, he's, he's been really nice, cool guy. Um, but le- watching him play shortstop is, is special, let me tell you. Um, we got a pretty good view of it right from the outfield, or right from our bullpen. We're right behind shortstop. So, I mean, we see him make some plays that, just you're just like how the hell did he do that
1: terrific Um, fielder.
0: and also watching him watching him swing the bats pretty fun too that guy doesn't get cheated he's either swinging for the fences or i love it dude that's two strikes he's taking a hack so
1: i was and you know he he won us
0: he won us two he won us two games because of it
1: so i want to wrap things up now and uh, give you some one hitters some miscellaneous questions here what's your favorite pregame music to listen to
0: Probably like some raps, like some Kanye or some some other rap music. We usually have music going, though, which is controlled by someone else. But,
1: Who controls um, for the me, music? Probably,
0: it's a good question. I think it's usually either Akil Badu or Joe Jimenez. So it's usually a good mix of like like Latin. I mean, they play some Latin music, obviously. They'll play some hip-hop, some rap. kind of. That's usually what's going on. A lot of like little baby stuff like that.
1: What's your favorite non-baseball activity to do? I mean, over the last year or two, it's definitely
0: been golf. I've gotten into golf quite a bit. Um, just kind of gives me something to do to take my mind off off, off baseball and just kind of can relax for three, four hours, play some golf. Okay. Hopefully fire off a decent score, have a good time, and just, you know, it's pretty low-impact activity. You know, it's not going to, like, crush your body, too, which is which is good.
1: Who are some so, of the guys in the team you play
0: with? I haven't played this year, actually, yet. but So, apparently, our, our new catcher, Tucker Barnhart, He's, uh, he's, uh, he was formerly a red for his whole career, gold glove catcher. Um, he's apparently a scratch golfer, so it would be nice to get out there with him and see what he's about. Hmm. Um, Tyler Alexander golfs as well. He's pretty good. He's another pitcher for us. Uh, we don't have a ton of golfers on the team, though, actually. Uh, usually, like, the stigma is, like, baseball players always golf. Um, but we don't have a ton of them on the team at the moment.
1: You golfed with Roger Clemens, correct me if I'm wrong?
0: Yeah, back, when, uh, back last year, um, I was playing with his son uh Cody who's a great dude and he uh his pops was visiting and he took us out to a, a real nice course. Uh so I got to play with him, which is pretty sweet. How was he? Dude he can he can swing it pretty well man. I think he fired off like an eighty four or something like mid eighties. I mean he he's pretty good. I mean he, he can kinda devote all of his time to
1: golf at this point, but uh he he's a pretty solid player. Awesome. A few other questions. What's the uh best Netflix show right now? Shit dude, I haven't watched a Netflix show in forever. I'm gonna say I would
0: say Breaking Bad is probably my favorite show of all time.
1: And I'm not a huge Netflix guy. I watch here and there, but... Uh,
0: I'm really not either, dude. I'd rather watch like a documentary or something like that.
1: Any video games you've been playing? Do you have time for that stuff anymore? Uh, we
0: do. I, I, don't, I haven't been playing much, though. I used to play a ton of Warzone and Fortnite, but I haven't played much anymore. I just... Dude, kids get so good, and then it's just not even fun to play.
1: Back in the day, you were one of the sickest son of a bitches in the world at Call of Duty. I guess you fell off... Yeah, man,
0: I can't hold up. Uh, I can't. I can't stay up to McKenna's standard anymore. But yeah, I mean, I, I used to play and be de- decent, and then now it's just I don't have the time to play like four hours a day. <laughs> I used to.
1: What's the and problem? Just, you got guys like and McKenna, Pudone, and, and I O that are devoting their life to it.
0: Yeah, second job over there. Yeah, I'll just play and I'll just die like pretty much almost instantly, and it's it's, it's gotten just not even enjoyable. So. I, I've cut the video games back a little bit.
1: Good to hear. Good to hear. Close the yearbook to those guys listening that are playing thousands <laughs> of hours of video games. What's your favorite post-game meal to have? That's a good question.
0: Usually, I just kind of eat whatever we got, which like I'll usually I'll usually go for like the steak or some like steak and like mac and cheese. Just like a that that usually hits the spot pretty good. Uh, but if if I end up not eating at the field, like. And then we're, we're near like a Chick-fil-A or something. I'll definitely crush this some Chick-fil-A. It's probably like my favorite uh, fast food.
1: You still a Chipotle? You used to be a Chipotle fiend back in the day. You still eat Chipotle?
0: Yeah, man. It's great, but I'm, so there's none actually. And so I'm, my apartment's in like downtown Detroit, like right by the field. And there's actually no Chipotle in walking distance, which is a little bit of a shame because we have an off-day today and I would for sure get it. But I'm gonna to have to make an audible there, but that's okay.
1: How's life in Detroit compared to New York? It's kind
0: of tough. I mean, I haven't had a ton of time in Detroit, but I mean, I don't mind it. It's certainly less busy, which is kind of nice. I mean, in the sense that I mean, New York's just there's there's no you know there's no chill time in New York. I feel like there's just people going left and right 24, 24 hours a day. But you know, it's not it's not as nice as. Detroit I mean there's some nice pockets of Detroit but a lot of the times or sorry not as as New York there's some decent pockets of Detroit but it's a little you know it's a little there's some definitely some sketchy areas and some rundown areas but I I don't mind it we don't really have a ton of time to do extracurriculars activities in in that sense so I mean a lot of the time it's just walk to the field play the game come back and, and go to bed to be honest with you so it's not I'm not really missing out on a ton.
1: And then last question, obviously traveling a lot as an MLB player, what's the what's the best spot you've visited so far? Oof.
0: Um, so I've only been to Chicago to play the White Sox. I've been to Minnesota to play the Twins, and I've been to Kansas City. Um, of the three, uh, Minnesota had the best park for sure, had the nicest park. Uh, Chicago was the coolest city, though, for sure. I mean, we stayed right downtown. I think, I don't know, you would know better than me just because – you go there quite a bit, but I think it was like pretty. I don't know, like right by that downtown area. It was super nice. I liked Chicago a lot. It was, it gave me a feel of New York, but it was a lot cleaner and a lot nicer. Um, I loved it over there. But Kansas City is a pretty sneaky city too. We had a good time there.
1: Yeah, I saw a this, lot of cool places. I say the same thing about Chicago, which is a cleaner, new, and smaller New York. I totally
0: agree. I, I wish I remember the place we stayed because you probably know it better than I. But. I forgot. We were over in like the Ritz, Ritz Carlton, like right downtown. If you know where that is, mm-hmm. I don't know.
1: I mean, I'm awful with directions, so not really. Jay, that wraps it up. Awesome speaking to you. You guys host the Yankees, which for for people in New York and people that grew up to you, it's it's gonna be amazing to hopefully see you pitch against the Yankees. I hope you strike out Judge and his gap tooth more than anything, Jay. Thanks for coming on, man. It was a pleasure. Thanks, bro. Appreciate the time. Anytime, man. I'll uh, best of luck moving forward, man, and uh, love you. Much love. All right. Sounds good. See you later. Thank you, Jay. say judge i'ma need a suit i'ma need a coop i won't need a roof fly it and be the juice be the juice be the juice ohio ready for some quick mental health facts let's go nearly two million ohioans live with a mental health condition in the u.s more than 50 percent of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime